0: This episode sees the return of Jim Kilbasso. Jim is currently the president and CEO of the International Youth and Conditioning Association, the IYCA. Jim has an extensive background in athletic development, and you can get Jim's full bio over in the show notes. Jim was previously on episode 141 of the podcast, which is also linked up in the show notes. On this episode, Jim and I discussed many topics. Firstly, what's new since we last spoke in 2017. Jim gives us his background and how he got involved with the IYCA. I asked Jim about the IYCA's Certified Athletic Development Specialist course. We discuss long-term athletic development for six to 11-year-olds. I asked Jim, at what age should we start testing physical qualities with youth athletes? And finally, we discussed the importance of adversity in the development of youth athletes. This was a really great discussion with Jim, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Okay, Jim, thank you so much for making time. As I was saying to you just before we hopped online, it's it's been a while since we uh, last spoke, but um, first of all, how are you keeping?
1: Things are good. Uh, I had a lot of craziness during COVID that we didn't even really talk about before this. Um, About a year before, I'll just share this as briefly as I can because I just want people to know, like how you know that COVID really did affect a lot of people in our industry. About nine months before COVID hit, our training center got purchased by a hospital system, Um, and it it was it was not a good transition. And I, I. I knew that, um, and when COVID hit, everything shut down. Um, they, the hospital systems, were freaking out because they were overwhelmed with COVID. And I kind of realized, okay, this is a great opportunity to to part ways. And uh, and I was I was able to to leave that and open up my own my own training business. Um, and it's been it's been amazing. Uh, it's taken up a lot of my time. All my coaches came with me, and things are. Things are way better than I thought uh, that they were going to be, but it's been it's been a heck of a ride over the last year and a half, two years.
0: Okay, you definitely should have said that to me before we before we start recording because that is super interesting. Yeah. So, can, Delvin, Martin, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I know you previously worked at a at a big sports performance facility, so that's what the that's what the hospital took over. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, they didn't take over the the entire facility. They took over the training programs that, that I was responsible for oh. um, in an effort to kind of like bring that into the hospital mix. Um, but what was interesting and uh, the, 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 the administration in the hospital agreed with my kind of assessment of it. I said, we spent, you know, almost two years um, getting ready for the purchase of this. And then as soon as they bought us, they kind of opened up the present and said, we don't really know how to play with this toy. And, uh, and it was just, uh, it, it just wasn't really, it, it really wasn't working um, very well. So it was, uh, it was a pretty crazy time. And then being involved in a hospital uh, at the beginning of COVID was also very interesting because um, they had a very different take on things. They weren't there just like shutting down. They were, you know, they were working and dealing with all, the, all the madness uh, that was occurring. So it was a, it, it was a very interesting experience, that's for sure.
0: Definitely, yeah. oh, definitely. So you, you've previously been on the podcast before, but I just think just it it would be good to go over your background. So, you know, delve as deep as you want. Just give us a brief. Well, I, I delve as deep as you want. Then I say give us a brief. But you know, where are you from? uh Sports played and to where you are now. And then obviously we're going to get into the IYCA, the International Youth Condition Association, and talk a little bit about long term athlete development. But yeah, tell us more about who Jim Jim is.
1: Sure. Um, I, I, I've lived in Michigan almost all my life. Um, I, I went to college at Michigan State, and then I did grad school at uh, University of Michigan, got to work with their strength and conditioning uh, department, who it was with Mike Gittleson, who was actually one of the, the first strength coaches in America. Um, so that was, that was an amazing experience to get to see that and, and to realize that everything that I had learned in books uh, didn't actually happen in real life that way. So it was a great kind of like real life learning experience on, on how things actually worked. Um, and I got to run a private training facility back in the mid 90s for about a year before I was hired at a university to be a college strength and conditioning coach for, I guess it was about six years. Um, towards the end of that, I, I realized that I kind of wanted to get out and do something different and have a little bit more control over my life so uh, I was going to open up my own training center here again in in near Detroit Michigan and uh, some friends that worked at a huge uh, a massive massive sports complex said that the owners were interested in doing something similar to that so um, I proposed my idea they accepted it and we were off to the races Um, at that time people had no idea what sports performance was so we literally were having to teach people or you know educate coaches and parents like what we did and why it would be beneficial so that was in 2002 and since 2002 things have changed dramatically you know now now athletes and parents and coaches know what sports performance is and there's lots of different options and now it's more about uh who they're going to do this with versus like what is it um so shortly after that, I wrote my first book on, on speed development. Uh, it was called "Speed and Agility Revolution," and the uh, the tagline on it was called "Movement Training for Athletic Success." And at the time, I know this sounds funny now, but at the time, no one was using the term "movement training." Um, that move the whole movement you know idea kind of came after that, and I. I never got any credit for that at all, and I'm not taking it, but uh, I used the term movement as athletic movement. So teaching people how to run and jump and cut and sprint and turn and all of that um, movement kind of turned into more like, um, like the FMS, like a squat and a lunge and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, but that really was, that was kind of like the start of me being able to to educate other coaches about speed development, because Still at that time, that was 2005, 2006, most strength and conditioning coaches weren't doing much with movement. They weren't really doing speed training. It was all all lifting weights. Um, So that was kind of new. And I really enjoyed uh, speaking and and talking about all that kind of stuff. And we ended up writing a second book that was kind of like an addition to it. Well, fast forward a few years after that, I got involved in the IYCA, uh, the International Youth Conditioning Association. And I started speaking at their events and kind of creating products for them. And after a while, we ended up creating a whole new speed and agility certification that took um, a lot of the stuff that was in my books and m- kind of m- merged it with uh, a bunch of science. Um, and and um, like all the references got, you know, like put where exactly where they were supposed to be to turn it into a more of a scientific type of Type of book, and uh, we created a bunch of videos that brought the concepts in the book to life, and created the uh, the Certified Speed and Agility Specialist certification for the IYCA. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, a lot of crazy things happened with the you know in the inner workings of the IYCA, and uh, and I got asked to take it over, and that was about seven, I think, about seven years ago now or so. Um, and since then, um, it's been, it's been really cool. We've done, uh, you want me to keep going on, on IYCA stuff, or do you want me to just stop there and that, that's who I am?
0: No, no, keep going. It's perfect.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so the IYCA had been around for about 10 years or at least before that point, And they had created, uh, some of the certifications, the, the YFS one, that was the youth fitness specialist level one was kind of like their flagship, um, certification at the time and we kept you know we kept running with that but I kind of always realized in the back of my head that uh, YFS one needed to be kind of revamped um, and some some new material and some different material kind of needed to be uh, it kind of needed to be redone to make it more comprehensive as good as it was I, I felt strongly that it could be more comprehensive as like a entry-level certification. So we made several new products and eventually it was actually right before COVID hit. um, We created the new certification called uh, the Certified Athletic Development Specialist. And that was kind of, uh, you know, we we did that because before that, um, I had really gone down the path of creating um, an accredited certification, going through the whole accreditation process, like uh, like some of the other certifications, like the NSCA and ACSM have done. Um, and do you know anything about that accreditation process, Robbie?
0: I've I've only heard about it from other peers in the field, but apparently it's a big pain in the ass.
1: Oh man, not it! It's a huge pain in the ass. It's also um, it's also just a a, a really interesting process. Um. I, I, I don't want to say it's a negative thing, but there were I realized that the accreditation process is only for the the exam. So you have to completely separate the materials that go along with it. So like all of the study materials or the, the education has to be completely separated from the exam. And the exam is what gets accredited. And you have to hire um, all these people to go through the exam to make sure it's uh uh they psychometricians who are like experts in exam creation i mean we spent a lot of money um doing with doing all this and anyone that was involved in the exam had to be strictly prohibited from providing any education so i had to at some point kind of decide like am I going to go on this side or am I going to go on this side? And they were telling me that I was going to be a problem because I was somewhat involved in both. And we were going to have to create another organization for the exam. And, um, I realized like through all of this and through talking to a lot of people involved in the IYCA that really the IYCA was more about the education than about being a testing agency. Um, I don't mind implementing the testing and the exams, but we were more about trying to bring education to coaches so that they could go out and, uh, and work with kids and work, you know, work with young athletes. So after like almost a year of going down this path and spending, like I said, a lot of money and dealing with this stupid process, um, I just kind of, I made a decision. I was like, we're out. Like, this is not what we're doing. Uh, and so that's when I kind of realized, okay, it's time to time to beef up the uh, the certification and taking the concepts of long-term athlete development. We created this certified athletic development specialist, which really incorporated uh, a whole course on long-term athlete development, but also a lot of videos on teaching athletes how to move, kind of like I ta- talked about before, um, and uh, we 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 edited and redid the materials to, to bring them all up to date and created this certification that I think is it's a it's a long it's a big certification you know there's two books involved and a lot of videos but to me like it is hands down the most comprehensive certification for anybody working with athletes uh, eighteen and under it's there's a lot of great information about each stage of development and what to do at each stage and what they need. And, um, I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic now. And, uh, unfortunately we started launching it right as COVID hit and that screwed that up completely. So we kind of had to wait and, and do it afterwards. And, uh, since COVID has kind of been done, you know, whatever that means, um, people seem to be less eager to jump into, uh, into like additional education um, than they were before. So we're launching a couple new products. One one should come out uh, relatively soon that I think is going to be fun and it'll pertain to some of the things we're going to talk about today. It's all about uh, gameplay and utilizing games for uh, in in training programs. And, uh, I'll tell you more about that, but it's going to be a really cool product, not very expensive, super easy to use. And, um, anybody working with athletes will be able to, to grab some of these things and and implement them into what they're doing.
0: Sweet. So just a few more questions around the new certification. Um, just for people who will be interested in, in taking that certification course. Yeah. Um, like what, what would they, what, what you said 18 and under, so what, what would they expect? So like, is there like is it like are they getting formal information about sort of the theory and then also the practice of dealing with like 6 to 11 year olds and then 12 plus year olds all you know so maybe just i suppose what 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 would one expect if they were to sign up for that certification
1: yeah so the 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 materials kind of break things down into into different age groups into the different stages um, most of the stuff from 0 to to 5 years old is not really uh it's not really covered in there and we can we can talk more about that but starting at about 6 to 11 uh there's a whole section on on what to do with these you know with with these kids and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate um and then there's a, there's another section on like 11 to 13 year olds so that's at least for us that's kind of like the middle school Uh, age range Um, and then there's 14 to 18 which is the high school kind of range when you're getting more into kind of more formal strength and conditioning Um, but as anyone who's worked with with a high school uh, situation they realize like there's a huge difference between uh, a, a freshman or a ninth grader who has never lifted weights before or trained and a senior that maybe is getting ready to go play college athletics or has been training for a few years. So, um, and, you know, sometimes I I'll hear people say, oh, I've got a great high school program. Well, I hope it's not the same program for everybody because, you know, I see it every day in different schools. Uh, there's a huge difference in, in those age ranges. So the certification, um, it, it, it's got information on how to teach movement to the younger kids, How to play, how to implement some games and fun strategies for keeping them engaged, and what an appropriate workout would look like. Um, And then the same thing for uh, the middle school age range, like how to start introducing strength training and a little bit more formal, uh, formal training. Um, There, there's videos on like how to teach and how to execute like a million different strength exercises. Uh, that go along with that as well it's kind of a library that that that's in there and then uh and then the the whole section on um on the 14 to 18 year old age range really it, it, by the time you're done with this you really get a good uh, idea of the scope of what's needed at each stage and when it's kind of appropriate to advance um so that you're not you're not trying to do things too quickly or too slowly um I, I think it's great. Actually, it's a great certification for parents for for coaches who maybe don't have a formal background or haven't don't have a ton of experience working with different age groups. So they they see like uh, to me, the beauty of it is if you're if you're working with um, like a nine or 10 or 11 year old, uh, oftentimes you think, OK, I have to do everything during this time period. And it's really nice to them if you understand and you're working with people who know the whole process, you realize like, okay, I don't have to do it all right this year. Like some of this stuff is going to occur later on down the road. So I I just need to do my part now so that the next person can do their part and the next person can can do their part. And obviously that breaks down when people don't know what their role is and they, you know, they can screw up the process, but uh, knowing what's coming and what has come or what should have come before that is a, is a, it's a very empowering feeling, I think, for coaches to work with young athletes so that they know what they're supposed to be doing.
0: And in terms of delivery, Jim, is this all online? Uh,
1: Mostly online, but there's two books that go along with it, that you have an option to purchase the books and have them uh, actually mailed to you. So uh, you'll get it all online, all the videos and, and all that. That's all online. You'll have instant access. But if you if you pay a little bit extra for the books we we actually mail them to you too so you can have them in your hands
0: sweet so let's just start with that 6 to 11 and we'll just use broad age ranges here sure what does that look like what does lt uh long-term athlete development yeah ltda i also when i do the abbreviation i'm thinking about long-term athlete development in your mind like so what does that look like 6 to 11 and then we can move up to middle school and then high school kids
1: sure um well I, first of all i'm sorry i don't know if i've sworn enough yet uh i, I don't think i've i've dropped an f bomb on you yet at all <laughs> um so i'll try to i'll try to mix some of that in for you um but it's weird when I'm talking about six to 11 year olds. I I know. know. I
0: was just just thinking, I was, I was thinking about how ironic that is. We're talking about kids, but kids won't listen to this. And as a, as a, just for the listeners, as I always say on previous podcasts now, because this is an Irish podcast, swearing and farting and burping are always highly encouraged. So (laughs) it is a bit (laughs) ironic.
1: Well, the, the farting and burping would be completely appropriate for six to 11 year olds. Right. Um, all right. So for six to 11 year olds, uh, again, that's a pretty big age range. What a six-year-old can do and what an 11-year-old that, that that's focused can do, those are very, very, you know, that's a big range. Um, to me, the most important part of any, you know, working with athletes six to 11 is to make it enjoyable enough, yet difficult enough that they make progress so that they want to continue doing whatever it is that you're doing they want to continue doing it for another year or for another season because when you're seven eight nine years old and you're playing a sport there's a lot of stuff going on at home with people you know with the kids talking to the parents about "Uh, I don't think I'm good at this or "I I like this and I want to keep playing or maybe I want to be on a different team and I want to play with my friends versus like I want to try out for a team that might be a better team, but I don't know anybody and I don't know the coach and the coach is massively responsible for the enjoyment of that process. So if you're working with kids anywhere in that six to 11 year old age range, just make sure that the first priority is this needs to be enjoyable enough that they're going to want to keep doing this. And if you make it too hard and it's not fun and they're not with their friends and it's, you know, it's, It it turns into a job Well, you're gonna end up having those kids quit the sport or quit the activity uh, prematurely and they're not even gonna get into the next range. So um, during that time, if they're there, most of the time, at least least in America, um, most of the time the training goes along kind of concurrently with a sport. So they're, you know, they're they're going to soccer practice, or they're going to basketball, or in your case, you know, they're, they're going to their hurling practice or whatever it is they're doing. But instead of focusing only on the sports skills, uh, there should be each day a period built in that's more about, well, I'll call it athletic development. So getting the kids moving and, uh, you know, teaching them a little bit about running and cutting and jumping and being light on their feet and developing a little bit of strength through body weight exercises. And that could be things like just doing, just jumping like plyometrics. Um, it could be lunges and squats and planks and pushups. Um, because really it, in that age range, uh, a lot of the research has found that the two biggest factors that determine success for that age range, one is, is size of the child which we can't really affect, but we, you know you know that a bigger kid is gonna have success over small kids at that age range. And then strength, relative body strength, um, because if they're relatively strong for their size, they're also gonna probably be quick, they're gonna be a little bit more coordinated, um, they're gonna be able to, uh, to catch on to things and, and, and run a little faster. So um, adding strength through those bodyweight exercises um, can actually have a really positive effect on kids and, and their enjoyment of the sport. So what I've done when, when I'm when I'm coaching like youth soccer or youth basketball is we will you know we'll begin a, a, a practice session with you know maybe they're maybe they're passing the ball around and doing some sports or some soccer or basketball skills, but then we'll stop and we'll do you know two or three plyometric exercises. Um, maybe I'll teach them one thing about like how to use their arms when they're running and then we'll do a couple of sprints so that they can practice that and then we'll come back and get the ball back and you know in their hands or at their feet do another couple drills or something and then stop and now we're going to play a game that encourages running fast um and uh and and you know you may explain to the kids. Remember, we, we worked on your arm swing. Well, now when you're doing this game, make sure that you're also thinking about using your arms so that they can start to see how uh, this is used in, in, you know, in the game type of situation. And then maybe we'll go and scrimmage for a little while, uh, play the game. And then you come back and say, okay, now we're going to do, let's have everybody stop and we're going to do a plank. And now we're going to do lunges. And, and now we're going to uh, do this quick agility drill with a ball and we're going to do it for time. We're gonna see how fast everybody can do it um, to kind of keep it fun. So it doesn't have to be like an hour of athletic development. It just needs to be kind of interspersed. And um, some of the clubs, some of the soccer clubs here in, in the US have taken a little bit of a European approach and, and they, they try to take about 15 to 20 minutes at the beginning of practice to do some more athletic development stuff. Um, unfortunately, and, and I'm sure it's like this with anybody that coaches a sport, you get four or five games into the season. And if it's not going well, you start freaking out and you think like, Oh my God, like we got to win a game this weekend. So I really need to like focus on the skills and then all that, all that long-term stuff kind of goes out the window because like we got to win this weekend. Um, And, and I would say that the higher level you go um, in a sport, like the more pressure there is on coaches to win the next game so that the parents aren't like all up, all up in the coach's ass about like why isn't my kid winning, and they're not having a good time, and we want to win games, and we need to win a tournament, um, because you get the pressure from the parents as well. Um, so it, it it sometimes is hard. Like you have to you have to have like that long term thought process in mind that hey, nobody cares that the eight year olds or nine year olds won the, you know, won the tournament, the local soccer tournament like literally nobody cares except maybe the parents what they care about is did they did the kids have fun do they want to come back uh are they getting better and are they going to continue to develop as athletes um throughout their career or are you so focused on winning that the kids are like i'm out i don't want to do this crap anymore because you know i don't like the coach and i don't like this approach so uh does that, does that help you a little bit with that six to 11 year old? Uh, for,
0: for me personally, that is spot on because that's kind of, it's, it's so in line with what we have put forth in our local GA club. Um, so, and it, it's exactly like you just outlined there in terms like, so our sports are hurling and getting football. So they're the sports and there's also, there's also, so hurling um, is the boys camogie it's that's what's like girls hurling it's just a different word. it's just a different word but it's the same sport and okay. then and then it's called Gaelic football for the boys but then it's called ladies football for the girls I don't know why I don't know why it is. it's just it's football they're both the same sports it's just that
1: just trying to confuse everybody oh forward. it's just
0: yeah yeah. it's just hurling and football played by boys and girls but the girls call it okay. com- camogie and ladies football I don't know but uh, so there are sports but we do the same thing yeah and it's exactly you said we basically have our sports specific stations and then we have our AD stations, our athletic mm. development ones, and with the with those kind of six to eleven um age athletes, we try and make all those AD drills game based. So, Great. and w- w- within that, we basically have our ABCs: ab- uh, agility, balance, coordination. So we're always trying to work on those. We call them ABCs, and then with the sports skills, we have um catch uh, or catch. Or I say catch, catch, kick, uh, throw, and strike, and then also. Mm-hmm. The other athletic, so, um, sorry, with the with the with the fundamental athletic skills, we have uh, ability, agility, balance, coordination, and then we also have jump, um, throw, and sprint. So basically, like awesome. the tracking. So there are the six athletic areas we're looking at, and then with the sport, we're looking at striking, so in hurling striking, kicking with the football, throwing, and then catching the, the the football or the the, the small ball the slither for hurling so that's the sport specific skills so they're kind of like the four basic sport specific things and then we have our six ad things that we're looking for and then we're always trying to do those within a game you know because it's fun for a game yeah um and then in terms of like in in terms of like the uh so like with buyer motor abilities you know work capacity it's just doing games chasing games they're going to get all, in in terms of strength it's all like so, like, I, I was saying this to one of the guys. It's like, so, like, with strength work, it's very general. So, in my mind, I'm always, like, thinking knee dominant, hit dominant, the horizontal push, pull, vertical push, pull. Just just to have a category ahead. head. But it doesn't look like it would say, you know, okay, horizontal push is bench press. With the kids, to me, that's, like, wheelbarrows. You know, you're holding my legs, and I'm, I'm using my upper body. And it's like, it's not really a true horizontal push, but it's working a lot of the same, and it's fun, and it's a game. Like, say, with a squat, right? They're not loading up a squat bar. But we're doing like, we can simultaneously work on strength and power, deceleration, and acceleration by getting to do some like, we call them frog jumps. But they're, you know, it's, it's a vertical jump. Or if it's a horizontal jump, you know, we could say, oh, we're jumping over the river. But now yeah. it's, a, it's a broad jump. You're getting concentric bi- bilateral power. And then you're also getting eccentric bilateral uh, strength development from the land and, and you're also working st- like because of a kid a jump is a strength exercise it's, it's yeah. good. i think i think too like in our scientific heads we're like well strength and power and speed they're all different like they're actually not like when you're sprinting even as an adult you're still expressing some amounts of strength and power and speed it's all one it's like energy systems it's not like you turn one energy system off and they're always working together it's just that there's a predominance in depending on the task so like a jump yes. to a kid is actually strength training absolutely uh, more so like okay even as an adult like a jump might be more skewed towards developing a power entity but you're still going to develop some strength and more so if you're a kid like so that's kind of how we're doing it we're we're still kind of taking the categories of how we'd nearly lay out certain aspects of a more older athlete but we're trying to take those and bring them down and put them into these fun games that they don't even realize and we're trying to simplify it out to for those volunteer coaches like saying like okay for ad we just have abcs agility balance coordination and we have our jump our jump our throws and our sprints which is really comes from the track the track and field world i mean that is yep. the fun you know, track and field is just jump throw sprint and yep. then with our sport specific skills for our sports of, of hurling and football it's can they kick the ball at both feet can they strike a slitter up both sides for hurling can they catch the, op- the 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 object and uh what's that strike catch kick and throw that's it yeah for the sports skills. And, and so we're trying to have a sports, sports specific station. So that it might be like a kicking station. And then the AD for that station might be speed and agility. And the speed and agility is chasing games. So I'm sorry, I meant to go on there in that. So we, with, with the buyer, more strength and power and speed, like strength and power is just like, as I said, jumping activities and stuff like that, and low level plyos and like body weight movements for the strength stuff. And then for the speed and agility, that's just all they're all going to get that through the chasing games. It's like, okay. Try and grab like the bib out of people's, you know, whatever. Yes. And so they all love that The kids? Ah, they're going nuts, you know what I mean? Oh, they go nuts. So so yes. sorry, so to, to wrap to wrap my and I I I always get people complaining in my podcast, like you speak too much. I'm like, it's my podcast, so fuck off. <laughs> you do whatever you want. Yeah, but uh I just want to say what you it's it's just nice to hear from someone in your position who's head of a whole organization that is involved in youth development, and it's it's aligned to what we've kind of already put forth. like we're in the middle now of kind of formalizing our education for our coaches and putting it out there so obviously we have a better athletic development model so it's just nice to to get that sort of um to to get that sort of feedback from you it's really good
1: yeah it's a it's kind of amazing like it's great that you guys are doing that i i've noticed kind of two two different uh like sides of this there's the side that Um, a lot of people just simply don't know this stuff. So like, like I've gone over to China a few times and helped a bunch of coaches over there and they, they are like completely on the side of like sports skills. So like, that's all they do is skill, 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 skill. And um, there's a lot of overtraining and overuse injuries and, um, and non-athletic development so the, their, their young athletes start getting really good at the skills, but they're, they're not, they don't have that much power or coordination or speed or agility. Um, so they end up not being as good as I think they could be later on down the road because they're not total athletes. And then you get the other side. Um, the other issue is that there's a lot of people that know this stuff and are that, you know, they, they know they should be doing this and they just don't do it. You know, like, and that happens all the time um, over here. Like, I think a lot of soccer coaches, for example, they know that they need they they need to be doing fundamental motor skills. Like, they, that just because the kid isn't throwing a ball uh, in soccer, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be doing some throwing and and some uh, you know some non soccer activities. Um, they understand that developing complete athletes is kind of the key to more long-term success but they just don't do it and uh and sometimes it's a matter of like they don't feel comfortable doing it or they don't know what drill to do or they think the parents are going to be looking at them like thinking you know why are you you know why are you playing frisbee you know or something with uh with my soccer player um and they don't maybe feel comfortable enough being able to to explain like look Here's why we're doing these things and we're not wasting time. Um, But you know, that, that, that's what I, I I see that all the time. I see people either just, they don't know what to do or they do know and they don't do it. But the number of people that actually implement this into sports programs is, I think not very good. And uh, I, I, I think in the past, kids were able to play more sports, at least over here. They were like when I was a kid, you know, you'd you'd go from soccer season to basketball season to baseball season and in the summer you could go to you know a football camp and a um you know in a track camp or whatever and 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 do all these other things now it's become more like you're going to pick a sport and that's what you're going to do you know like you're going to play baseball all year round and it and it's they don't get the the same number of different activities and they also, uh, really have lost the ability to just play and, and, you know, be out there doing things on their own. Everything now is structured for kids. Um, so that a lot of kids really feel like I can't do, I can't do a sport. Like there's no coach here. Like there's nobody telling me like it's time to do X or Y. Like, uh, I guess I'll just sit here and wait for somebody to tell me what to do. You know, like they're more like, like robots that are programmed and like, okay, now it's time to kick the ball, go kick it, you know, rather than let's just, you know, let's just make up our own rules. Cause there's, there's five kids here. Who's going to have three, three kids on one team and who are the two on the other team and how can we make it, you know, even, and, you know, they, they don't, they don't think that way as much as, uh as much as maybe people used to. So I think that they miss out on some of the creativity and the, and the multiple ways of moving and and doing things that, that maybe we used to have. doesn't mean we're not developing great athletes. I think we are. Um, I I think we just have to make sure that we're uh, we, we remember to create all around good athletes at a young age.
0: I think what we're creating is we are creating great athletes, but we're not creating great problem solvers. so like, so like, we're getting a lot of people who've got great athleticism. If you purely just looked at them from a quantitative standpoint in the, in their outputs in like, you've got great work capacity. We did a yo-yo test there. You're, you're a savage, Your 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 strength's good. Your power is off the charts. You, you, you're fast. Your movement though. It's, it's okay. It's, it's enough to buffer what you've got. But, but then when it comes to say like, uh, problem solving out in a pitch in, in terms of, you know, I know like the skill acquisition world is getting very big right now, but in terms of like perception and action and coupling decision-making on a field and, and then also too, if they are lacking some fundamental movement skills to be able to buffer, to, to be able to buffer their physical qualities, um, that, that's going to be an impediment as well. So whether it's going to be impediments in terms of that they have less movement solution options or higher uh, risk of injury, I think that's what's happening too. And it's, you know, as you were speaking there too, a lot of it does just come down to you know the 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 sort of the power of education. So with me as as I started to delve more back into physiology and learn about the brain, when I was learning about like the somatosensory of the brain, I was like, Oh my god, like now long-term athlete development finally it's not that it it's not that it didn't make sense, it's just that all I ever heard from youth development coaches was just let them play, just let them play. I was like there was just something in me is like yeah but i need a reason like why like why why do what what is it about play that increases athleticism and just just a more robust and resilient human and mm-hmm. then as i started studying the brain it's like oh there's a part in your brain called your somatosensory cortex and if you give that more and more and more and more exposure to the environment more experiences in terms of movement uh, com- uh, you know complex movements and situations and environments you build a, a just a more uh, you build a, a greater map in that area of your brain and if you've got a greater map you basically have more answers to more questions that come your way in in this in this just in this conversation in an athletic context so mm-hmm. you you've got more options to solve movement problems out on the pitch and we've seen that I mean you spoke about it just before we hopped on in terms of like like all those kids in like South America playing football with like you know the, and, and and this is your thing too with skill acquisition it's all about the environment the organism and the task so it's constraint based learning and all these like kids in in brazil they were playing like in these tiny little soccer pitches with these shitty footballs and like it was like okay here are your constraints here's the sport now you got to solve all the stuff out, and nobody's like three sets of eight we're going two minutes on two minutes right. off they were just out there doing it but right. so like in my left analytical brain i was like there's so that's all chaos but in my left brain i was like i still want like a reason to package that in and as i started learn more about like the brain and so like the somatosensory and then the motor cortex and the fact you know okay you take in this information there's a decision to be made and then there's an output but the more options you've built up in your somatosensory cortex because when you were a kid you were in the playground you were out in the farm with your granddad you were scaling trees you weren't on the playstation all day not saying that the video games are all the terrible but you know what I mean you you just you you exposed yourself as a young kid or a a younger nervous more plastic nervous system to all these exposures so that when you did start getting older in your athletic development you just you had that better athleticism then to also buffer all the development of your physical qualities your strength your power and your speed but now you also had all these options to solve movement and it's just as, as i was doing, it was like oh my god and it's funny too going back to like the ABCs the development of agility balance coordination and also the, the jump, the throw and the sprint when we're with our AD department here in Ireland, we're like, what does that look like for the six, seven year olds? And in, in my head, I just keep going back to the playground. It's the playground. Because yeah. other, other coaches were going, is it just an obstacle course? And I was like, it's just a playground. I was like, okay, vertical pull. The monkey bars, they're hanging. Or the net that you have to climb, you have to scale up. like they're climbing, That's a vertical pull. like yeah. I'm just putting in my screw-up head. Like things like that. And then it's just like, balance. like We have to like, go across those logs you know where they're all different sizes and then and then i mean the sprinting and agility they're just going to do that because they're starting chasing each other you know what i mean and up and down slides and like it's a playground it's like somatosensory you're getting all this environment and then like so it's kind of like in my head i'm getting this like they're 24 years old it's still sorry let's go they're 19 years old they're at florida state it's the quarterback and it's like he has to make this movement, and it's all subconscious. It's, you know, it's it's subcortical. It's not even as and like he pulls a movement that he probably like his brain like realized. Oh, we did this when I was seven, when I was running away from Johnny in the yard, and he just yeah. pulls it out like it. You know, but obviously, like no one's computing that, and it's just like in my head, it's like oh my god, it's all coming together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so that, that's my ramble there.
1: No, no, it's brilliant that you that you put that together. Um... Something that something else that hit me a few years back. Uh, I was listening to Nike was doing this big thing on uh, vision training at the time, and the whole project fell apart for them because it wasn't going to make you know billions of dollars. But um, I really learned a lot about vision, and it's not so much about like your visual acuity, like are you wearing glasses or not. But uh, I'll mess this up a little bit. But there are like seven different aspects of vision beyond just the acuity. And it was about being able to like track multiple objects. Um, it was your depth perception. It was tracking objects like converging on a, on a point like where they were gonna meet. It was tracking objects coming to you or away from you. Um, it was uh, peripheral vision was obviously part of it. Uh, visual memory, so you know, like, I see that the ball's over there. Well, when I move over here, you know, I'm looking this way. I can just automatically remember uh, the ball was there, but there was also a guy, you know, in front, and there was a guy behind, and I saw a guy over there. So that when I then, you know, turn back around, like, I know kind of where everybody is, because I also was able to track track it while I wasn't looking. And if you're not playing, you don't get, you don't develop those things, <clears throat> And they were really showing that um, those traits, those visual traits, like are actual actually trained. Like you can develop them, um, and play is like a huge part of that because that's where you're getting it all. That's where you know, like, if I need to chase somebody down, what angle do I need to take? Because I'll see kids all the time just like chase somebody from behind, and they take the wrong angle and they never make it, you know. But if you've played, you start to get to, you know, you start to understand where do you need to be before you need to be there because you're seeing all these things. And uh, it, it really hit me when they said that in most sports, every action that your body makes starts with your eyes first taking information in, then relaying that information to the brain to make a decision to then have your body move. And then your eyes then get to then participate in the movement as you're doing it. So um, that really kind of drove home the importance of play as well for me, that uh, you, you need you need that to develop some of these, you know, some of these visual skills as well.
0: It's, it's so funny you mention that, too, because there, there's a very famous uh, soccer, i say soccer for the international league, soccer player called Ryan Giggs. He's played for Manchester United and he was a left winger for most of his career. And then, as he got older, his speed went a little bit. So, like you know, when you're a winger and your speed goes a little bit, they might shove you then into the centre midfield, where you kind of control the game a little more, mm-hmm. but you're not going up and down the line as much. And uh, there was, they brought in this visual coach to the to, to the Man United team, and she was saying to Giggs, she was like, "Do you realise that, like, I can't remember the percentage, but she was like the vast majority of your passes are always going to this side of the field?" And she tested his vision. And because he played in the left wing for so much of his career, his vision was so biased to one side that he had to retrain to get it more bilateral and more symmetrical when he went into the centre midfield. So it just also, it, 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 with that too, like, it is very important when you're talking about the sport that the kid is playing to expose them to different positions within that sport. You know yes, so, like you know uh, they're not always on the offensive side of the ball, even just playing them with defense, so they're getting appreciation of like you know an offensive move versus a defensive move, and they're getting different sort of visual input and information again, building up that somatosensory of sensory map yes. and then, and then the 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 visual recognition area so um so again they're they're just getting a broader exposure, and again, the more exposure you can get from every sort of sensory input, the more then, answers you have to questions like I presented to you in in a certain in this case sporting context yep. um because during my master's i really got into the skill acquisition and I, I for whatever reason i had this completely like just this this perception going into a oh, skill acquisition is boring like surely this is a, like talking about like you know how your body and your knee reacts walking across the street and stuff and the skill acquisition of gait and all and then and then when i learned about it I was like, oh my god it's so interesting because what i found fascinating with skill acquisition is that like a, a movement solution that I had access to could be gone within an instant like, mm. shit, and it's like holy shit I hate something that has gone because an easy one is just fatigue like so like if if you say like for instance I, I do a sprint a 10 yard sprint and I do it in, in whatever time very slow for me but then you but then you say all right come back here right now and do that again and i can't do the same time straight away again and you're like why because a bit of fatigue has just robbed me of what i what i was just able to do that sprint in just a second ago now obviously if you let me recuperate it will come back but again like there's whole timelines and bandwidth in that so skill acquisition just what i found was just so fascinating in terms of what can impact that like again an easy one's an injury you know like so your ability to cut off one leg if that doesn't get rehabilitated back to a previous or even even better one, it was there, there. There's a there's a, a lag now. There's there's a deficit that wasn't there before. Fatigue is the most obvious one because the easiest another example I use is a box jump. Like you say, right, Robbie, jump on that 30, 30 centimeter box or whatever, no problem, right? Let's go smash our legs for an hour. Now we come back, right? Jump on that box again, like. Jim I can't man I, like, yeah. so I'm actually robbed of a movement solution that I had to yeah. question so it's just yeah. that skill acquisition became so fascinating and then when I started learning about I guess, again the brain the cortex and how the brain works and the movement and then it started to make way more sense with this whole like, concept of play because it's just like again when people were saying just like kids play I was like well, that's just why? Give me some like theory, even if it's just like a you know a mechanistic. And I was like, oh. And it also made Franz Bosch's work make way make make way more sense because you know when Franz would just come out and say, well, strength is crap. You need to do all coordination. Training. I was like, but why? You know, like because yeah. he he he's only putting that out as if like he's assuming that people understand like the neurology of this. It's like no, we like I don't like I. You yeah. Know I, mean? I don't understand these maps of the brain and i didn't understand what you meant by central and peripheral factors and you know uh fluctuators and stabilizing fluctuators and movements and i uh, he you know he he would i don't even know what he assumed but he's just like he's like in his head he's like i'm not going over systems theory you know or you know yeah. I'm, I'm not going over skill acquisition he's just like i'm assuming that you should know that and then you can take this information like no yeah but, back up back up exactly <laughs> so come here yeah. before we wrap up though um, obviously, I want I want you to talk more about just the future of the IYCA, but just an, another question I do get with a, a lot of coaches is when do you think it is appropriate uh, and if you do at all to start testing kids from a athletic standpoint or or a, a, a physical ability standpoint? So, if we actually do want to start quantifying, because again, I, I'll just give you a little more context in terms of our RAD program, from and again, I know these are broad age, age ranges, and it's just for to make this conversation go a little more smoothly, kind of like six to 11. Our, our whole thing, our number one goal with everything is fun. That's number one, fun. Because if it's not fun, they're not coming back. But then in terms of our AD, it's in six eleven. We just want quality. That's the second kind of word. Quality, quality, quality. We don't care about the quantity, like the actual metric, like how high, how far. We just want the movement to be perfect in terms of the AD and then the execution of the sports skill. But then, like, from just talking with other peers of mine who are in professional academy, so some guys over in the Premier League, um, they're kind of saying, like, 12, 13. Because also, too, it's this the other concept of this too jim and you'll appreciate this is like another reason why you don't want to test like a young kid is like the bullying that could go along with it. oh you only jump 20 and i jump 25 you're a lose you know if you're seven or eight and you're getting that like particularly if it's your brother or something to put up with your brother for today or something like that <laughs> yeah. but like we're kind of like, like 12 is that when you can start maybe you know, and I know these are very general and like, again, a 12-year-old a isn't a 12-year-old isn't a 12-year-old. Like one 12-year-old could really be like almost 14 in their development right. or 12-year-old could be like eight But Just wh- wh- where, where is your thought process in actual quantifying, you know, actually starting to take some metrics and testing in terms of some abilities like, like strength and power or even work capacity?
1: Yeah. So I think the answer to that, it all depends on what you're going to do with the data. So if you're going to like cut a kid, uh, because he doesn't run, you know, as fast as somebody else, and they're nine years old. I think that that's the wrong use of that. And then, yeah, probably don't test them. If you are doing something like if you're testing them so that they can improve, or you're testing them so that uh, so that you then know what needs to be worked on because you're just not sure. Those are two, you know, th- those are very different things. Um, So we'll, we will test kids on, on certain things that like, almost like every day is a little bit of a test, but I've also heard that, uh, whatever you, whatever you, uh, decide that you're going to test and reward. So whatever you're going to reward, um, kids are going to naturally try to get better at. So if you do something like, Hey, we're all going to run, uh, I'm just making stuff up a lap around the field. And um, okay, here, you know, here's what you did today. Uh, if, if you get better, you know, if you beat your time next week, then, you know, you get whatever it is, like there's a reward for it. You know, it it might, it could be a sticker. It could be a cookie. It could be like that we're going to scrimmage. It could be that, you know, you don't have to do it again, whatever the reward is. Well, that's when kids go and work on their own. And, you know, they start to have their own motivation for like, oh, well, coach is going to we're going to do this again. So I want to get better at it. And that's really kind of the start of where great athletes start to take things home and want to get better at it um, on their own. Because we all know, like if you're going to get really good at a sport at some point, you need to want to do it on your own and you get used to doing it, you know, practicing stuff on your own. So if you're going to do it for that kind of reason, I think it's I think it's fine as long as the tests like aren't like you're not putting out nine year old forty you know forty uh, yard dash times for nine year olds on like the internet you know and and displaying them for everybody. It's more like for the individual to to establish goals and and to to kind of to figure out like how do I get better at something. So I think that it can be done in in that kind of way. And it can be very motivational if you're doing it in a way that is, you know, like more public for for kids. I think then it can be um, it can be either motivational or it can really demotivate people. And it goes both ways. Um, like one of my kids, my own kids, if he doesn't do well at something, he, you know, it, it's demotivational. You know, it's like he doesn't. He's like, oh, well, I suck at this, so screw it, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Whereas one of my other kids, like, if he wasn't good at something, he'd figure out a way to get better at it. And it just, it kind of depends on the makeup of the kid and how the coach approaches that um, with the kid. I would say that by, you know, usually in middle school or or in high school, um, testing is, you know, kind of okay, because you're trying to, you're trying to motivate kids and you're trying to, you know, they, they already are comparing themselves to everybody else. So it, it doesn't take, uh, the test for me to know that, um, everybody around me is bench pressing more than me. Like I can see it, you know, every single workout. Um, so it it just depends on, on how it's being presented and what you're, what you're doing with it. I think, and, and I think in some situations it can be really motivational and in other situations, it can really, uh, it can really mess with kids' heads. I I I know um, I know a lot of coaches will do preseason testing. So like, hey, when when you get back from your summer vacation, we're gonna run a beep test, or we're gonna run three hundred yard shuttles, or we're gonna do whatever the test is. Um, some kids freak out about that, and it like consumes them, and they 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 can't get past it. Other kids take it as, all right, well, I've got the whole summer to get better you know, and so I'm going to go out running and I'm going to go out and, you know, work on, on these things. Um, I think coaches just need to be careful that they're, you know, of how they're, uh, how their testing protocols or plan is going to affect each kid psychologically. And I don't think there's a, there's, there's not one perfect answer for everybody.
0: Yeah. Like something we're trying to, in, in our AD uh, set up that we're trying to marry is, Like With girls, anyway, girls kind of have this initiation into um, womanhood, and that's kind of when they start menstruating, whereas boys never really have that sort of, maybe back in the day in tribes, they had some sort of initiation ceremony, but it's just like with young men nowadays, where I am in the world, they don't really have the sort of, okay, now you're you're entering into adolescence now you know things are changing it's just 12 is kind of that age where they're leaving elementary school we call it primary school here and they're they're starting to go into secondary school it's a big life change because what happens is a lot of their friends disperse into different middle and high schools um and then there's also around that same time too they start They're starting to play in competitive games where there is a win and lose. There is a win or lose in terms of scoreboard. So, like there, there is a bit of adversity that needs to be introduced into their lives as well. Like they need to be able to to know like how to deal with negative, what are perceived negative events, you know, because that obviously builds your character as a person going forward. So we're kind of like twelve is kind of like that nice age where like right, that's usually when most are going into middle school. You know, there's there's a change in life. It's kind of like a a a demarcation, right? You're kind of entering early manhood here now. And it's kind of like to, to marry a bit of that together. In terms, of right now we're taking a little more responsibility for, as you said, you know, that the, their own athletic development and 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 development as a herder or footballer, or soccer, or rugby player, or American footballer, if it's in America or whatnot. So we're we're kind of just thinking of that. You know, is this kind of like, it's a nice demarcation? And again, as I said before, you answer a twelve-year-old isn't a twelve-year-old isn't twelve-year-old. It is going to have to be somewhat appropriate to the personality of, of that kid too. Jim, one, one other question I have for you, um, and if you have anything else to add to that, you can. Just one thing I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on. You kind of brought this to my mind as you were speaking earlier on, and I kind of just touched on it there again. Where are you with this concept of you know not keeping score, participation trophies? That's you know, so funny. Yeah, you know, like, this, this team didn't win or lose, and the only reason I said it is this conversation has come up in my circles too, and it's like, we keep coming back to kids aren't stupid. Like, you, yeah. know, you, you know, when kids go, what's the score? And you go, oh, it's a draw. And they go, no, it's not. We've scored like 10 goals. They've only got like one. Like, they're not stupid. And it's kind of this balancing act too that, you know, it goes back to this, like adversity builds character. And it, it kind of goes back to like this whole science of like, okay, too much stress on an organism we know kills it. But the organism still needs a little bit amount of stress to become robust and resilient. And we're all about developing robust, resilient, responsible humans from youth through their adolescence into adulthood that's what we're trying to do through sports like to us like our sport of gated games is just a vehicle like
1: okay so so I, before you even said anything i was going to say hold on i, I want to address like the winning and losing thing for a second and then boom that's it like we, you're reading my mind um i i am not opposed to kids losing and, and 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 or winning um i don't know that everything has to be you know score based and winning and losing dominated um, i think that there's definitely something to be said for uh kids wanting to win and developing that competitive nature um not wanting to lose you know i want to avoid losing um, and so i'm going to figure out how to get better at this uh, or or not but it all has to be appropriate for their skill and ability level so um it, and it can go bad both ways so if if I am just way better at whatever it is, like basketball than you, and we just keep playing one-on-one, it's not good for either of us because if you're losing every single time, well, it's not fun. And if I'm winning every single time because you suck at basketball, I'm not getting better either. And eventually like that's demotivating to me as well. So I think that, that, Coaches have to figure out ways to make things competitive that are maybe sometimes different than what the actual game is. For example, if you're a coach of, uh, you know, coaching soccer and you're playing a team that is uh, terrible, like beating the crap out of the team might feel good for a little while, but that it doesn't go anywhere. So maybe you switch the rules for your team and say, Uh, we're going to play a man down or uh, you can't shoot the ball until, you know, you've strung five passes together, or uh, the only person that can score is Robbie. Like you got to figure out a way to get Robbie to score. And and he's the only one that, that, that that's allowed to score. Um, Or you switch the teams. So, you know, in practice, you, you put people in positions where they can, they can have some success. Um, If there's one kid that's like so dominant, uh, compared to everybody else, maybe you have to sometimes stick him, you know, on the sidelines or in the goal or say like, you're a really good scorer, but we're going to put you on defense now or vice versa, you know, like, or that team has fewer players. Um, I think that there has to be ways to do, you know, to, to, to modify the games. Um, I also think it's crucial that when kids are good at a sport that they don't just automatically move up too fast uh because i see a lot of parents who are like oh my kid's 10 but he, he's playing with the 13 year olds okay well that's great maybe he needs to be on a better team or eventually you know like he's gonna if he's getting his ass kicked by the 13 year olds that's not going to be fun either um so you have to figure out like where to put the kids so that they're always playing um at a level where they can both win and lose because that's where that's where the that's where the magic happens. That's where you get better at stuff. And I've been in situations where I was getting my ass kicked and it's not fun. And it almost makes you just want to quit. And I've been in situations where like, I'm way better than somebody else. And that's fun for about, you know, a game. And then it's not, it's not even fun anymore and you're not getting better. Um, so I think, I think a good coach has to think of ways to make things competitive and I've seen it with like individual sports too. Like, Okay you're playing tennis and uh, I'm way better than you. And my coach knows it. Okay. You can't, you know, you can only today, you can only win shots with your backhand or you pick something that you're, you know, that you're, that you need to work on. And so now I'm, you know, there's something coming to my forehand, but I'm running all the way around to make a shot with my backhand because I know that like, I have to get better at that. And that's the only way I can, I can do it. And it also makes it fun because now it's like, okay, this is going to be a challenge for me, you know. It's not otherwise. This is just going to be really, really boring. So, um, I, I I also feel like long term, uh, we're not doing anybody any any real favors by just saying like everybody wins because, like you said, kids aren't stupid. They 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 know that they didn't win, and um, getting a getting a team award because the team actually did something m- is meaningful, but any any participation trophy like if your team sucked and you lost every game and you get that medal like does anybody think that that medal is like going up on a shelf like people like there's no value to that you know so I'm okay giving something away like okay everybody gets to keep their jersey or something to remember but at some point like that like kids need to know like hey if you want to get better and and if you want that trophy or if you want that award um you have to you have to work for it so that they start putting together the idea of work equals get better get better equals doing better on you know in a competition or something else and i like that feeling or i don't like it you know and if you don't like that feeling and you don't like that process This might sound rude, but like, you're not going to be the best version of yourself as an athlete. And you might as well find something that you're going to be good at and that you like doing because sports aren't like, if if you don't like that process, sports aren't going to be fun for you, (laughs) no matter what, like, that's what sports is. It's teaching those, those lessons. Um, And, and, and maybe you need to be in a different, in a different activity or a different sport or have a different coach that can teach you that kind of thing.
0: It's it's kind of funny you said out there that maybe you should be an underactivity, but really, in my mind, I'm thinking that if you can't handle that, you can't handle life. Because sport is just a microcosm of life. Like you know, if you can handle a bit of adversity in sport, like this is just a game. What happens if something happens in life? You know what well, I mean? So
1: yeah, and so I think I think it's important for coaches to also address that. Like, all right, we lost the game. How does the coach react if the If you're a a youth sport coach and your nine year old team lost a game and you're like, you know, mad and yelling at the refs and pissed at the kids and telling them that they suck, like, well, that's your problem. Now you're, you're creating a bigger, a bigger problem. But if you teach the kids like, okay, well, here's what it looks like when you're disappointed. Like, yeah, we didn't win, but here's the things we did well. And we're going to work on this and we're going to come back and we're going to get better. Like, this doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is whatever, like we're getting better or we you know, whatever the thing is. Um, so I think it's a great way to, to teach kids, like to model what it's going to be like for them. And when I said like, maybe find another activity, that's, that's okay too. Like not every kid has to play sports. Like I know a lot of really successful people that, didn't play or weren't good at sports growing up like it's okay you know if if that's not your thing some people are really great at music some people are really great at robotics and and suck at soccer and some people that are great at soccer uh you know they can't do math or whatever like it doesn't mean that you have to play sports I happen to believe like you that sports teaches you a lot about uh about life and about teamwork and about working hard and overcoming obstacles and stuff. I think there's just a lot of really, really valuable lessons involved in sports, but those things can be learned other places and not everybody has to be in sports. That's okay.
0: Absolutely. And just before my mic cut out there. So like our whole, our whole um, concept with our athletic development and our long-term athletic development is like, we, we're just looking to build uh, robust, resilient, responsible and empowered humans and we're just and we're just using sport as a vehicle to do that. Yeah. Um and also just just with winning too, like what comes to my mind is always Coach John Wooden. And it's kind of like, well, what does winning mean to you? You know, because most individuals think about, okay, well, winning is down to the scoreboard. Like who 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 scored more? And the team that scored more won and the team that scored less lost. Whereas I'm more along the lines of Wooden, in that wooden's like, did you reach your potential? Yeah. Like if if you if you maximize if you max ma- maximize my second word, like if you got to your maximum potential, you gave everything you could. He's like, that's winning, because yeah. because the simple fact of the matter is, people like, and again, this is a deeper conversation, long conversation, and we're wrapping up here. But the simple fact of the matter is, we're not all equal in terms of ability. We're not. Yeah. It's a simple fact as that like I'm never running as fast as Usain Bolt, but. The, the 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 real point of winning is: Did I milk my absolute genetic capabilities? Like, did I give it every last thing I had? So what if I still lost by ten? Because even Wooden says the best team he ever had was one team. I don't I don't even think that did they get to the semifinal or the final that that one year? And everyone goes, who's your best team?" So oh, that team were, and but they didn't win the NCAA that one because he's won ten, hasn't he? Ten NCAA titles. 10, he's, or, yeah. he's like the most successful basketball coach ever. And everyone goes, "Yeah, but that team didn't win a title." he goes, "Yeah, but they were terrible." <laughs> Like he's a terrible parent to like in terms of the other competition but he was like they they like he's like for them to even get that far was a merit like they milked their potential he's like yeah. that is the greatest thing I ever had like yeah so to him that's winning like you know
1: i you know i, I think uh the sport of golf kind of has it right with their handicapping system um because then i can you know i can play against you and I have a different handicap but you know, in the end, it we're we're competing kind of on a level playing field because it, it's kind of pitting me against myself. At the same time, I'm against you. So you could have a worse score, but actually beat me based on your handicap level compared to me. Whereas in other sports, you know, they get, it would be the equivalent of if you're gonna race Usain Bolt, you start at like the 20 meter mark. You well, know, I, so that I actually.
0: Sorry to interrupt you. I've actually thought about an Olympic Games where the medals were based off your relative best. Yeah. Because you ever ever see like 100 meters, like a PB, like by fucking whatever, two tens? Like that's a massive PB.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: So Jim, um, there's there's much more we could talk about, but just in terms of the IOCA, I've a few minutes here anyway, so you you can you can take a few minutes here to answer this. What's the what's your future projects now with the IOCA? You know how you hope to spread the word more, just like is there anything down the pipeline? Is there any uh, um in-person events coming on education? Yeah. Any, anything do you want to touch on?
1: Yeah, we're well. Uh, we're coming out with a product with that gameplay, that new gameplay product that I think is going to be awesome. It's mainly put together by Dave Jack and Brett Klicka, who are unbelievable with that kind of stuff. And um, we've created uh, a library, a huge library of games and a million different variations. Some special guests came on. You mentioned uh, Dr. Kwame Brown. He's He's got a, a, a segment in it, a, an interview Um and the way it's laid out, I think, is going to be really user friendly. Some some people might take it and be, and look at it like, okay, I'm going to try to play all these games and all these different variations. Other people, like myself, for example, I'm just going to I'm going to look at things and say, I'm going to take that, and then like I don't even need to read the rest of it right now. I just want to take that game. I'm going to implement it, and then I'm going to maybe I'll come back and use and look for something later. Um, Dave and Brett also did a whole. Uh, Presentation on gameplay and why it's important and, and how to how to implement it. So I think that that's going to be a really cool product. Um, those guys really want it to become an interactive thing where other people are uh, supplying games to some sort of a system. So I, I we'll see if we can if we can get that get that going. Uh, the next thing we're going to do is a as a movement based uh, product that's more just educational um, for for athletes or for coaches who want to teach. Um, athletes how to move better and um it includes several different pre- you know presenters talking about different aspects some of it is agility some of it's speed some of it's uh multi-directional movement and it's basically just uh several different presenters talking about different ways to make athletes move better so I, I think that that should be something awesome as well and then in you know as always you know our our main certifications the the certified athletic development specialist. Our, our high school, uh, certification is, is pretty big here in, in the United States. Um, cause a lot of people need a certification just to be in a weight room, uh, in high school. And then, um, uh, what was the other one I was thinking of thinking of, Oh, the speed and agility certification is, is great for, for anybody that's working with athletes. So, um, we'll keep kind of staying, you know, with our meat and potatoes and expanding, you know, for, for other people that, that want more. And, uh, and I don't know, I don't know about the live events. The last live event we had was kind of it hit right in the right in when a, an upsurge of COVID hit and people were scared. So probably in the next year, we'll do, we'll do another one.
0: Sweet. No, I'll, I'll link up everything in the show notes in terms of the website and the links to the, all your courses and resources and whatnot. So that's great um jim really appreciate you coming on this is uh, yeah yeah, i'll uh, say goodbye to you offline um and as i said i'll link up everything in the show notes i'll link up all the the social media to to the iyca and the actual the the mothership website so awesome for everyone that's listening thank you so much for your time and as i say at the end of every show take care be well and stay strong